With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is the Anfield Wrap in association with Reds Bet. Uh, Neil Atkinson, Rob Gutman, Paul Senior and Mel Reddy about to talk about the Reds. But firstly, Reds Bet, they sponsored our, our all-day Transfer Deadline Day show last week. They're working on supporter, supporter causes right the way across the country. Uh, 50% of their profits uh, they are putting back into supporter-based causes. If you don't gamble, that's absolutely fine. If you do, feel free to consider going with Reds Bet, redsbet.com. Uh, but do be gambleaware.org. Uh, so, yep, I've got Rob, I've got Paul, I've got Mel. After Liverpool beat West, West Ham United by four goals to nil. Four goals to nil. There's two easy things to do, uh, Mel. Um, talk down West Ham and act like it was really straightforward for Liverpool. Both of those would be a little bit unfair. I actually think West Ham played quite well for the first 45 minutes, mm. but they just couldn't live with, with a Liverpool who didn't even get out of third gear. And this is a West Ham side that I think could finish top 10 this season. And yet they've come to Anfield. They've been beaten 4-0. It was 2-0 at half-time. I don't think the scoreline flatters Liverpool. I don't think it damns West Ham. It tells the story of how good Liverpool are. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point to start with because you'll already hear how awful West Ham were. And that was sort of the way the analysis of the game was framed, which I think is quite unfair because what Liverpool or what West Ham struggled with was hesitancy. They never, especially defensively, they never quite knew what they were meant to do and that's born out of what Liverpool were doing and you know you can you can have a game plan and you can think this is our way and this is what we're absolutely sticking to but in the midst of that actual you know when you're in the fire and this attacking hurricane is happening all around you and you're not sure who you're meant to mark or where you're meant to mark that will force you to second-guess yourself, which is what we saw them do quite often. And actually, that was one of City's strengths last season, the ability to make the opposition second-guess their game plan. I thought, I thought Liverpool were excellent without getting anywhere close close, close, close to what they're capable of individually and collectively. Just come back to you on this. What struck me when I was watching it, Mel, was at times West Ham had 11 behind the ball and West Ham have got 11 behind the ball and somehow Liverpool have overloaded them. Yeah. And that's what I think is, is was staggering to watch at times. Liverpool were manage, managing to find areas of the pitch where all of a sudden, just for a split second, but a split second's enough, Liverpool are four on three, the five on four, the three on two. And I think it's amazing to see a West Ham side who, as I say, at times Arnautovic was, was, was behind the ball and yet Liverpool was still able to outnumber them in areas of the pitch. Yeah, and that's a, a consequence of just being so fluid, assertive, and being sure of yourselves as well. Because all the way through, I mean, Liverpool's fullbacks want to make things happen. Liverpool have an absolutely ridiculous number eight who can do everything, can dribble, can get back and tackle can see the pitch like no one else, can dictate a, a moment of play like he did uh, <coughs> with the for the opening goal so brilliantly. And then you've got somebody like James Milner who continuously defies age uh, and, the, and the aging process to be involved in absolutely everything. So I think when, when people look at Liverpool, 
it's quite easy to get stuck on that front three because of how absolutely yeah. delicious they are. But behind them and all across the pitch, there are people willing to to do what they do, as in, you know, put the opposition on the back foot, be aggressive, be flexible. Uh, and that's what we saw yesterday. Speaking of delicious, Paul Senior, um, <laughs> one of the things that struck me was there was was that Liverpool exhausted West Ham mentally and physically, possibly mentally more. But though I thought you saw by about 35, 40 minutes through the half that West Ham, to me, they just looked shattered. They just honestly looked like they wanted the break. We get the second goal just before half time, and you got the impression there. There was a, almost like afterburners were put on. Liverpool sort of sensed from about 40 to 42 minutes. Now, there's something in this for us before the break. These are now rocking a little bit. We can get something in. One of the things that this side did really well, I thought yesterday, was it went for the kill without having to play brilliantly for for, for 45 or 90 minutes. There was two or three occasions where it went for the kill. They make it 1-0 after Spain and three really good opportunities to make it 1-0. But they just know 1-0's in us here. Mm. Yeah, do you, know, do you know what, Neil? You're right. And there's... There's a thing from early on in Klopp's reign, um, and I've, I've mentioned this to you a lot about Danny Rose after playing against Mane, and he was just got, there was an interview with him on Match of the Day, and he's like, I can't believe the game has just started. You know, it's like he'd been in the trenches for months. And there's a thing at the very end with Mikhail Antonio, and it, it, there's a move broken down with him involved, and he just stayed on the floor, and you can just see he wasn't appealing for anything, was he? Just had no, cramp. He was just, just had a bit of cramp, but he just. You could just see the frustration in him, and it was that towards the end of the first half was visible as well for me. That West Ham was just a bit, a little bit sick of having this done to them. You know, they've they've come into the game with all this expectation and being bigged up by the press, and they just weren't on. They weren't in the same league as Liverpool, and that it must be so hard for a, for a team with you know coming into a season with such buoyancy to just have that life sucked out of you. There's yeah. a complacency, Rob, I mm. think, that we've got now around Liverpool scoring fours, home or away, Liverpool scoring fours. In, in, in 11-12, we went right the way through the season. It was only in the, in the last home game that we scored four goals. That was the only time we did it. For me, it's massively about scoring the second goal in games and when you get them. you know, It's, it's one thing to go 1-0 up, but it's another thing entirely to give yourself the platform to kick on by getting that second. And that goal before half-time was massive. And we should never be complacent about winning 4-0. No, no. I was reared on 4-0. I mean, you have talked about this many a time, especially in, in that incredible 87-88 season with Barnes and Beardsley first in tandem. Um, and I think uh, the modern generation of modern Liverpool watchers got used to, I think, under under Julio and then Rafa, to, uh, seeing a more pragmatic style, which didn't necessitate, or didn't see the primacy of the 4-0 and the, and the importance of it. I was really thrilled towards at the end of Brendan Rodgers' first season that it seemed to be coming a thing again. He understood it. Klopp understands it. That it's it just builds it puts so much psychologically in the in the in the bank for you. For, the four 0 is not for the day. It's not even for the goal difference. It's for the next match and the match beyond that. So Brighton, we beat Brighton four 0 last game of last season. Brighton have now seen us beat West Ham four 0 first game of this season. And yeah. Brighton are our next opponents at Anfield. Imagine being Brighton before that <laughs> game, for instance. Well, th- this is what I I got used to seeing when I was younger. Those Liverpool teams. teams some teams were beaten four 0 before they stepped on a pitch. And <clears throat> I, I was saying this to my Danny before. I said. There's a lot of feel good about us coming into the season. There's a lot of optimism. It's important that we harness it early because if we do, we will frighten other teams quickly. We will be one two nil up before we get on the pitch, and our belief will go through the roof. I was pleased in a way. I've always, I always think the timing of a first goal is important if you're going to thrash a team. Um, 
you could see the other day with Man U, they score too early against uh, Leicester. And they may have other faults, but they do score too early. Uh, and, and it makes Leicester's plan very, very binary. They've just got to get on with it. Whereas Liverpool take, is it 14, 15, 16 minutes to score, having absolutely laid siege. West Ham have accepted that surviving is good for them. But once Liverpool score, we're in a mode, they're in a mode, and it's not going to change. For, for an away side now, there's, there's no point of reference of a Liverpool weakness. It's a Liverpool side that hasn't lost their home in over a season. We haven't conceded a goal in the league since February. The only two goals we have conceded since February are those two mad ones at the end of Roma, one which yeah. wasn't a penalty and the other Dzeko finish when we're 5-0 up. Exactly. So it's not... Managers coming to Anfield now can't go, well, here's Liverpool's weakness. When, when teams are coming to Anfield, they're having luck by doing this because no-one's beaten us at Anfield. And, you know, growing up, you get told you've got to make your home ground a fortress. It's got to be a fortress and Klopp has done that. And I honestly feel he's the first manager, don't get me wrong, unbeaten can be... You know, I, I, the, the Arsenal thing winds me up about the Invincibles because they drew 12 times, whereas you look at Manchester City last year, was it they win 32 times? It's so it's so much better, in, that's my opinion. But for, for, a, for an away manager, they've got to have something to cling to to give their, give their team a bit of hope. And when you can't go, well, look at, look at this in, in, the recent, in recent history, there's nothing there for them. I, I think once once you you're right, but once you break the myth, that, and as Liverpool fans, we've lived with this myth that if you put ten behind the ball, eleven behind the ball against Liverpool, you can frustrate Liverpool, whatever form they're in. That myth is beginning to be dissipated. Um, and I, you know, you were talking about the overload. How, how do we look like we've got overload, even though it's it's even sided? I think we're moving towards a more Guardiola style setup at home. Last season, towards the end, when we don't have Coutinho in the second part of the season, we're tending to play with, say, Wijnaldum and Henderson. And Milner's the only one really operating between the lines. The three the three, three forwards... OK, no, sorry, Mane drops into the 10. But Firmino and Salah are very high up the pitch. Yesterday, I felt we had two forwards in Firmino and Salah, but we had three between the lines. So it's almost like a 4-1-3-2. Is that possible? Yes, just about. That adds and, up. But I think that's why you're seeing overload, because that's a hell of a lot of overload when you then bring fullbacks into it. I think Van, Van, sorry, Mel, Van Dijk's allowed that as well. You know, it, there was that thing when he was coming in where... People were talking, oh, does this mean you don't have to operate with a number six now? People were talking about Jordan Henderson's position because he could step up and do the job. That hasn't quite been the case. But just the fact he, he allow he, with him being so good, he allows you to take so much more of a risk. There's also the variation as well that's in Liverpool's play because you've got Van Dijk who's able to hit those diagonals. You've got now a goalkeeper who's very confident in playing it short, but very incredible with his distribution as well. Um, you've got Tr- Trent, who's qu- willing to, you know, put in a, a wicked delivery or take his full um, his winger on. You've got Robertson on the other side, who's also looking to to be quite aggressive. Uh, <coughs> but at the same time, they're all they the, it's wanting to do the same things in in this game plan but they're all different you know Trent is is not the same as as Robertson at all and I think that variation we have from all the players that you know the midfield yesterday was sensational for it because it was so well balanced because of how they all wanted to do the same thing to scorch and to stifle so you know um attack defend Ginny you know uh so well at the base just getting it, giving it, controlling the tempo. 
Milner being involved in absolutely everything and wanting to be involved in absolutely everything, showing for everything. And then you just had Nabi in the, you go and make things happen. Hell just, of a debut, wasn't it? That? Yeah, just make things happen. And he did it every, like, literally every time he got the ball. He knew how he wanted to affect the game. Uh, and I think that's where you see, you've, you've got everybody on the same page, but the variety in all their games, when you put it together, is 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 quite a thing. And we're talking about the players I played. Lilana didn't get on the pitch. Fabino didn't get on the pitch. Nathaniel Klein doesn't get on the pitch. And that's Jurgen Klopp without a fully foot roster to choose from. When he's got everybody in, there's got to be some bigger missions in that 18. Just on that, it's, it, Robert, he showed huge faith in Milner and Wijnaldum and both of mm. them paid it back in spades. That was yeah. one of the things I took from the game. You know, It wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world to force Henderson onto the pitch, to pick Lallana. He's had a really good pre-season Lallana. <laughs> Revert to a 16-second for 17 form, but instead... What he's done there is he's backed Milner, Milner and Wijnaldum to play a certain type of game, slightly different from last season, as you say, and both of them were excellent. Yeah, he certainly hasn't got a, sh- a short memory. I mean, Mil- Milner was Milner was mind-blowingly good in that last quarter stretch of last season when we, we needed him in, in Europe and at home. He was incredible. He, ste- he, found a, he found a new level in his Liverpool career, I thought. Um, <laughs> in his career? In, yeah, but yeah, actually, that's very that's the right thing. In his career... I think if he'd been if he'd been at one of the uh, and the new signing yesterday, we would be, there wouldn't be anything to talk about about the, how fantastic the new signing was. It's only it's only I mean there's not much to choose between that Nabi and him in my opinion, but the, the, you know, the inclination is to talk about Nabi. But Milner was sensational, and I have to say, Ginny Ronaldo last couple of games, I know one was a friendly, but bloody hell, he's you know this. I always prayed for this, and I talked about it on the show the other day. When you create, managers talk about it, but as fans, I'm not sure we always quite grasp what they mean. When you create competition for places with certain individuals, Absolutely. with certain clock preachers, with certain individuals, they who, who can pick up a mantle, they go through the roof. I always cite Lampard as my my favourite example in, in my football history. There's something in, but there's something in both Wijnaldum and Mane, and I want to come on to talk about Mane as well, Paul, where... I think that Mane at times last season wasn't quite at his best, though I think he ends the season really, really strongly. Yeah. You can probably see the same thing about Wijnaldum. At times last season, he wasn't at his best, but he does end the season pretty strongly. And both of them there, have, you know, you almost feel like if Liverpool are to hit the heights we want them to hit this season, which is challenging the side that went to the Emirates and won 2-0 and made it look like the easiest thing in the world <laughs> yesterday. If we want to challenge them, we will need, I think, I think almost like they're almost like barometers. If Mane and Wijnaldum can play at the level that we've seen, throughout the entirety of this season we've got two more fantastic footballers to add to all these other fantastic footballers Manny was brilliant last season but he could become better and better again he's my tip for footballer of the year yeah well yeah and the the, the conversation around who's your best player is is so is so enthralling now because people I think everyone has got a different opinion people go oh Roberto Firmino is absolutely essential to what we're doing here Mohamed Salah is just pure goals he's just brilliant isn't he but then you've, it's almost like sometimes people just forget the genius of Sadio Mane and it's, it's becoming more and more apparent with every week he's he's how old is he 25 I he must be 26 26 yeah. 26 he's he's just maturing and we have got him on his best years into this most wonderful football and when he, when he first signed for Liverpool I had a few questions in my own mind about his technique you know sometimes it just looked a bit uneasy um, and just yesterday, there's a point where he gets a fullback square at the cop end, and uh, I'm, I'm just so excited. What what is he going to do? And the, the fullback does not move because he knows if he gives him an inch, he's past me. And you know the the first Anfield game of last season at, at Arsenal, 
you get to full-back square and you see what he does. Full-backs are terrified of him, but the development in this game now for me is when he's deeper. He's so good, creative. He's so responsible as well. And that's some, he, he has changed so much as a footballer from the one we inherited, which was just known for his pace and its electricity. He was talking, I noticed, Mel, he was talking Kaita through what to do defensively, which is just dead interesting. That he, was just, he spent most of the first half saying, you need to go there now, now you need to go there, now you need to go there. And that would not be the outsider's view necessarily of Sadio Mane. But we've now had six months of watching him become this. Incre- and and you, the, the player he was, but being given the freedom to become this incredibly intelligent footballer. He scored 12 and 17 in his, in his last 17 games. They're, that's centre-forward numbers. He's playing 20 yards, arguably, off the front, and he's getting centre-forward numbers. Numbers, it's an astonishing level he's hitting. Yeah, I've always said, you know, people talk about his pace, skill and, and all the things that, that catch the eye, but his decision-making has been really good. Through, you know, obviously you can see the progression from when he signed for us to now, but even in his first season, mm. whether it's, you know, in the final third or, or what to do before the final third, he just understands, he reads the game quite well and that's an element maybe that that's been glossed over um and he's so good in so many positions because of his intelligence he, he re tactically and uh, that's a good word that uh, you, you said he's responsible he's he's very very diligent in what he's meant to do for his teammates uh, and that's probably why he was helping nabi through you know understanding uh, the same thing He's, I hope, and I think we saw some of it during preseason, he is often quite reserved and shy, but him going and insisting he wants to take the ball for the penalty, yeah. like, I, I think that's also just the natural progression of him saying, hey, you know what, I'm one of the senior players here, I'm I'm a really, really good player, uh, and I'm not taking a backseat this season. And honestly, I think... I agree with you there in so much as, you know, when people ask you, who do you think is going to have a standout season? A plum for him and, and Nabi as well, because I just think what the glimpses you saw of, of Keita yesterday, uh, that's not even him at like six, you know, it's probably him at a six out of 10. Yeah, I, th- I think Sadio is emerging as the leader of the team in a certain sense, in as much as he's the go-to guy, isn't he? He looked at yesterday, he was dropping off, he reminded, you know, like Kenny in his pump almost. He was the ball that everyone had to find. He, all operations were directed through him. I, I mean, I felt he's almost been underrated since day, not day one at Anfield, but day two, because I thought by the end of his first season, he was beginning to eclipse Coutinho. He got that injury at the end of that first season. He starts last season on fire, actually. He scores against Watford. He sort of runs our part the, of the game. The red card actually that changed exactly him, yeah. man. that changed him it knocked him he came back I still think people were very quick to jump on him I, I, I felt him. he had one truly terrible game where he scores his best goal against Burnley yeah, yeah. where I think he wasn't well or something like that but I thought he was sensational last season. I, I, obviously, in the second part of the season, I'm very excited about the partnership with with Kaita because they they have an empathy with each other, known each other for a while. And as you said, you can you can see, well, you said sorry, Neil, you, you can see that uh, there's a big brother relationship and that they, they wanted they want it to work together. 
as much as for the whole. I, I think on, the, the thing with Sadio as well is he never hides. Even if it's not going his way in a game, if, if he's having a terrible time of it, he never, ever, ever hides. And I really like that. He gets touches on the ball, doesn't he? That's what I've always liked. Yeah, exactly. You never you go, yeah, absolutely. I mean, right, right backs all over the country must be having a dreadful time, mustn't he? I mean, we're not mentioning Andy Robertson in this chat as well. You know, it's... That left-hand side is just so well-equipped. It's absolutely well, that goal. Well, I mean, that goal? Because I think it's always gorgeous goal. Go on. Well, because I'm going to talk about I, something. I, 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 what, I, what I loved about it is is that you, we get something. For, it's really it's about Naby Keita that goal, it even is. though he's not the director's sister. And what I like about it is we get something from a midfield player. I don't think we've had maybe only just only Phil Coutinho would do that for us. But he break he breaks the midfield lines. He strides away from a couple with pace and control, and the weight on the pass is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's but the, the weight delay. on the, the weight it's on the, the pass delay. tells uh, the delay and then yeah, the weight on the pass tells Robertson what to do next. Exactly, Just do yeah. that, mate. Yes, it makes he, it. Th- that entire move is dictated by him because he is drawing the defenders in. He's he's making the defenders concentrate on the central zone. He's telling Robertson where to make that run, and by the time Robertson gets it, he's now free. To do because Navi sh- shifted the defense. <coughs> sorry, the defense over. It's just a phenomenal piece of play, and also the ball to start it all from Trent was was a phenomenal as well. You, also, I, I mean, I don't know how about you guys, but I I went nuts when that went in. You know, like you thought, <laughs> I had to sort of have a word with myself. I said, "I'm going. Is this a bigger goal than I realised? Or just an extra wine? I'm not sure." <laughs> but, I, but, you, but you, you know, what something means. It, fe- it felt like it meant a lot. I felt because. We've had such a strong start to the game. But you know how these things can go. I mean, I've remembered yeah. seasons where, oh, that's a good 20 minutes. And don't make me... I'm thinking about the time when Stuart Downing hits the bar and heralds something very wrong. But um, but I almost felt that the project, if we can call it that, needed to start. And for it to start, that was almost like, I hope that that becomes the defining goal of this new era. What struck me, Paul, was the... You mentioned there, we've just talked about Mane and Keita, and I thought that the other thing I would say about Mane is whilst being brilliant, almost playing in behind the front, he also goes and does a big 15 minutes where he just gets chalk on his boots and makes the pitch huge. I'm going to mm. talk about that with Sean Rogers on the review. But what I'm also going to talk about the review, what we can talk about here as well, is how that side almost became two teams of three with Wijnaldum and Firmino linking them up. So on the left-hand side, you had uh, Mane, Robertson and Keita. On the right-hand side, you had Trent, Milner and Salah. And Salah was coming in a little bit more, leaving Trent and Milner to it. But the point was, when we're talking about these overloads, that's how we were doing it. We were almost being able to play mini-games of five-a-side on either side of the pitch. And every now and again, the ball will come back to Wijnaldum or Firmino, and they might go, all right, let's start over there again. Or it might go to Gomez, who then knock it to Van Dijk. And they were almost joining their own little mini-team as well. It's... And again, you know, in terms of parallels to Guardiola City, that's a lot of what they did last season as well. Just finding the ways to overload. Well, that's it. it, it it's it's bullying in a in a way. You know that Liverpool can just get the ball in a certain position, and they've just got so much quality in pockets. So that them little trios, as you're saying, are just are just if 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 a side's not being responsible and they've got a, a wide player not tracking back, you are so exposed. And that's how we're at. It's, it's one and two touch. You can I, pop it off. If I was playing for West Ham, I'd be knocking on the manager's door this morning having a chat about Jack Wilshire. Talk about yeah. lack of responsibility. Yeah. I would be t- if I'm Declan Rice who got hooked at half time. By the way, I thought Rice was struggling, but I'd be going, "Where's my help here? Yeah. Is that is that fellow for real? That was an absolute self indulgent mess of a performance. It's, but it was almost like he was positioned to be that as well. Mm, so mate. I was really shocked where where Wilshire started because I thought it was going to be a two of him and Noble and, and Rice almost playing like in between the centre halves and even even further back than a normal defensive midfielder. And then for Wilshire to just be this absolute luxury around field, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe yeah. the way West Ham lined it, up. It, I think 
it was partly the thing of when if Liverpool are loose because they do go for it, then maybe we can hit like quick turnover, get it to Wilshire, <coughs> and we can hurt them. But then that's where I say when you're always stuck in too much because of what you plan to happen and what's actually happening on the page, he doesn't then deviate from his plan. He doesn't assess the situation and see, oh, getting completely exposed and overrun here. Um, and at it was so easy for Liverpool at times because West Ham just were not were not able to keep up with with how the game was shaping up at at, at any even in like small five minute periods it was just too much for West Ham. That, that midfield was poor, wasn't it? Over as as a, as a I composition. Seen, I think you've seen glimpses of 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 West Ham's business being all right. I thought Philippe Anderson yeah, stood out. Was, you know, yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a little reverse ball he played through to Arnautovic. I think uh, in the first half. In the first half. And it was it was just a stroke of genius. But West West Ham, I think what the West Ham fans are we've probably been doing the same all summer's gone, what's your dream eleven? And they've got that. But actually there's gonna to have to be a bit where I, I think in a, a couple of months' time they'll sort of start seeing more responsible lads coming into that. And if you're gonna have a luxury, have Felipe Anderson as your as your luxury because mm. he is a top quality player. Let's not mess around with Jack Wilshire. It's, from day one it looks like a poor sign. It's a lightweight midfield, that, and it's no accident we overrun them. I mean, it, it, you know, I agree with your, your opening statement, Neil, that, you know, the narrative has been that West Ham were poor and that is disingenuous to us, but that was a poor midfield. Yeah, no, I think, I think well, I think, and I think it's Wilshire, and I think it's the selection of Wilshire, and I think it's what you like. Noble, and a 19 year old Noble, is a 19 -year -old. Noble will give you Noble stuff. I thought, as I say, Rice was yeah, just left Noble, in there. Noble was, at times, he was left with like three. Three yeah. people that he's now got a track. Firmino, Cater. Three people who are all faster yeah. than him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, faster than him with a better touch. Um, the goalkeeper, um, Rob, he's going to bring about bring about heart attacks. <laughs> I love. There was one in the second half where after he did it, there was not. There was just this low mumbling of of of, of about twenty seconds. People go. Rah, 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 rah. I it was a, it was it was a joy to behold, and he might reduce the season ticket waiting list. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Is, is this the bit where he pings it to one centre half and then pings it to the other very quickly? Yeah, he knows what he's doing. It's fine. I, I, let's put it this way: the, there isn't a YouTube compilation of him fucking this up yet. I mean, maybe that's he's maybe, going to. He's, oh, yeah, yeah he's, he's going to. I suppose in his career, but he, he seems to not. I mean, he really was the easiest debut you could wish for. Does he even get his hands dirty? He has he one that he has to do: steal with second half a ball flashed across the box. Yes, but that was that was as, as uneventful a debut as you could hope for. Carries us in there fuming, going, "Well, I would have looked, I would have looked okay." They just stood in the sunshine, looking quite handsome, and that was really it. There's a, there'll be another day to even comment on. Well, he does get a lot of the ball, Paul. I would say that they're very comfortable knocking it back to him. They are trying to bring him into it. I thought you saw that a few times. Almost, so. almost too much. I would, I would say there was a there was a little bit of where. I know you're saying it's an uneventful debut, but I thought sometimes they, they were just almost like, oh, we've seen this lad play in training and he's one of us, but he's still a goalkeeper and he's still last man and you shouldn't be taking any risks. There was one thing with him and I thought, yeah, he's definitely Brazilian. Is he almost like foot rolls it over it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a, a, a hidden pass, and I was like, "Oh God!" And as you say, the mumblings in the main stands, yeah, uh, yeah. You got more of a sense. Of, God. You got more of a sense, I think, of what he was about in the Torino and Napoli friendlies. Um, and I did notice in those games 
that what you're describing was very much an evidence said that they want to bring him into the game. Yeah. But I think the reason is is because he, they're they're getting to play like a deep lying sweeper, which means if the ball if you can, if the ball can go that twenty yards deeper and you can trust that ball, then it invites the opposition on a bit and it opens the pitch out. And that's why I think they're doing it. it it's it's become apparent why why it was Allison that they wanted so much. You know, there, there was talk about the, the price we pay for him. Our blacks available, but our black can't do these things. Our blacks a fantastic goalkeeper. But, but he's not Allison. He's not stylistically. He's completely different in terms of play. So that 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 is from Torino especially. But just seeing that yesterday, you can see why they've gone for him and why he's a good fit for Liverpool. But it's just a cross comes over. He just takes it. No fuss. And there's still a condescending cheer that's going on, which needs to to pack him because he's just doing his job. He's a good goalkeeper, and he's going to do that. Mm. But he's just like the guy next to me, Chris, who does like him own. We'll we'll get what's going. Well, I don't. I'm I, I'm not worried about him doing all these businesses. The most relaxed I felt with a goalkeeper for a, for a while, and I think I think he's starting to show very quickly that he's right to be relaxed. They were there is something in Rob saying about trying to invite them on, Mel, and it may be something that we see throughout the season. We almost want to dangle that carrot a little bit to opposing sides and saying, well, you're struggling to get anything at Anfield, but maybe just maybe if you put pressure on us here, and it would actually be, you know, there's an argument to say it would have been no bad thing to say it go badly wrong with three 0 and the ball end up in the back of our net for future games to come. Mm. If you see what I mean, let's keep dangling that carrot a little bit because what it does is suddenly Arnautovic is right up the pitch Mikel Antonio is right up the pitch mm. Anderson's going Wilshire doesn't know where he is which is the, was, was his performance yesterday and all of a sudden you might have space to turn them around and suddenly we're back to talking about overloads we're back to talking about three on threes yeah we not to keep bringing it back to City but City do that quite well mm. they're very clever at dangling the carrot because they know that once once they sell you then it's curtains, it's absolute curtains. And it's the same for this Liverpool team. And all, you know, even just talking about Alisson there, City, last summer, their their biggest issue was the goalkeeper. They go and bring a goalkeeper who is an extension of the way they play, Edison. Just really good distribution, get them up the pitch quicker. Liverpool have gone and done the same thing, a goalkeeper who is an extension of, of Jurgen Klopp's blueprint. Uh, and that then gives you the ability to invite the opposition on and to dangle that carrot, which, yeah, I do think we'll see a lot of it. And it'll be interesting to see how it works against teams that are more equipped to maybe think we can actually go for that, especially teams with, with better midfields because that's where West Ham really struggled. I thought Anutovic, even though the game was so far gone from West Ham, never stopped battling. Like... He can be proud of the way he it's played. Part of his because... game, I didn't know he possessed. If I'm honest, when yeah. West Ham signed him, I thought, what if they bought another one of these? This is obviously a, a year luxury ago. lad. Another luxury lad, and there was talk about Mourinho signing them in the summer, Mel. And it's almost like I read this article about when he had him at Inter and he bombed him, and he said, "But one day, if you sort all your issues out." I'll I'll bring you to whatever club I'm at, and it's visible that yeah. he actually he's got his head right now. Arnautovic. He is a very good player in terms of obviously what he provides with his attacking attributes. But he he's a fighter. He's relentless. He doesn't give centre backs or or the full backs whoever he's up against. You're not going to have an easy time. I think the only reason probably that you know a lot of managers like him like his style and the fact that that he is tenacious but it's all the the questions that have always been there about attitude and how he handles himself but yeah you know so somebody like him 
could <coughs> could want to take that carrot, but I don't think he was equipped from his midfield to. No, we to kept turning around, yeah, screaming at them. Yeah, to give it a good go. So it is. It will be interesting. But herein is the thing: City are so successful last season because they buy wholeheartedly every single person. This is the thing we're doing. We're going to do it. Whether it works, whether it doesn't work, this is what we are. This is who we are. This is what we want to be. And we're going to be very good at doing it. And I think Liverpool have to have the same buy-in, which you can tell from the players. And I think and I think the fans are pretty much on side too. I think the biggest thing that I noticed yesterday from um, the previous two season opens, openers under Jürgen Klopp is you, you ha- in the back of your mind, you know, this is a very good team, but you're always thinking, but, but, mm-mm, here, 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 these are where the weaknesses are. Yesterday, I think, before kickoff, everyone goes into that ground. The players as well, when you read the program notes from Jordan Henderson, when you see what Shakiri said, um, you know, in his interview to the Nationals before the game, there is this massive sense of belief that, We've got all the tools to hurt teams, but we're also deadly serious about what we want to achieve this season. And I think you felt that from the terraces as well. And you saw it on the pitch that everybody bought wholeheartedly into the plan. Everybody gave everything. And e- even though we're saying it wasn't Liverpool at, at their optimum, there were still loads of big shifts all around the pitch yesterday. There was, there was a lot of hard work. We mentioned Arnautovic there, Rob, and a, a player who I thought worked really hard because you could see Arnautovic was trying to get it and was Gomez. And it was a big game mm. for Joe Gomez there. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, if, if you almost go through everybody on that pitch, the player who's probably under the most pressure to perform yesterday with a view to Liverpool careers on the whole is yeah. Joe Gomez. Mm. That is, you know, Lovren might be out for three or four games and we'll come on to talk about that. Matip has, has had a problem. Clavin has had a problem. Gomez goes into that game thinking... I can really lay a stake to a to a claim for a shirt to at worst be number number two to Dejan Lovren at best maybe even say no I can I can be the man who partners Van Dijk and I thought he played really well. Yeah, I think he was good. He has he only has one one aberration, small aberration, and and it's his uh, signature. Unfortunately, that's when a ball is dropping out of the sky without any real pace on it. He just gets his position on the pitch wrong. It gives Anatovic that half chance. And that's how he got exposed at fullback. But that's, again, that's being a bit church because the rest of his game was spot on. He, he was aggressive. He's, he's, he generally has his feet in the right place. Uh, it's difficult to tell at this stage how good someone like Virgil van Dijk is making our centre-halves look without, you know, I know we, we lionise Virgil van Dijk at the drop of a hat, but I don't think we can underplay really how much easier it is to play that position alongside him. Um, but as you say, I was worried. He also was pr- supposedly half fit as well, Joe Gomez. So mm. that was an important an important one. He's got, and he's got himself off to it. A bigger, bigger test to come if he's if he's the first pick at Palace. There's no doubt about that. Oh, Palace will be tough. We'll come on to talk about that in a minute or two. But Paul, on Gomez, one of the things that strikes me is young players have such... Joe Gomez will probably end up playing 400 games of, of top-flight football, no matter whether, mm. whether it's Liverpool or somewhere else. But young players, when he looks back on his career, 400 games feel like four, feels like 400 games. But there's actually, for every young player, there's arguably... 
eight games that count. Eight games that become really significant in your career that then help you work out what level club you're going to end yeah. up at. And I think that was one of them yesterday. I think it's really, having now done what we do here for seven years, seeing them come, seeing them go, seeing a Thiago Alori disappear, seeing this, seeing that, yeah. you can really begin to go, no, that was one where he had to be able to come off the pitch. That clean sheet's massive for him. And it was noticeable at the end of the game. Him, Van Dijk and Alisson have their own little celebration. They have their own little cuddle to say, we kept that clean sheet today. Yeah, absolutely. I've been very vocal on our centre halves in the past, and I, I, I really do rate Joe Gomez. And I think I think Rob's right to point out one of his obvious weaknesses. But I think he's helped at centre half a little bit. That that there's someone either side supporting him, and I think he looks he looks the part in that sense. You know, I think I think almost in this Liverpool side, if he can stake a claim, and it looks like he's going to have the opportunity to over the next couple of weeks, that if he plays well, as you say, Palace is a bigger test. That that he can just retain that chair now. I mean. There's a lot of hype around Dejan Lovren at the moment and I, and I personally do rate Dejan Lovren but stylistically I feel Joe Gomez might actually be a better fit in this Liverpool team. He There's there's just... When Joe Gomez was at his best and I'll go back to around the time the, the Anfield derby last season when he plays full-back there was, there was, I was so excited about him and then there are them little creeping mistakes that he lets in and you go... Oh, He's arguably carrying an injury for a lot of the second half yeah. of last season. Yeah, well. I would say so. I don't, I don't think he's been fully fit for a while, but it's it's nice to at least see him being able to get himself on the pitch. But sorry, Michael. With Gomez, it's he's twenty one, and I think we often we forget that because he does feel so mature. He comes across. He looks massive yesterday yeah, as well. I he, must say, like physically. he comes across even when he speaks and stuff. He comes across quite mature. And I know we're saying you know there's there's harder tests to come, but I think as an individual battle, Anutovic is quite. A big one because, like we say, even when the game is gone, he, he doesn't give up. Uh, and I thought for us to pick out, you know, one mistake, I think is is it's credit to him because he spent his Liverpool career either being injured or playing left back or right back, and not as a centre back, which is what he is. So for him to come in in such a big game that is so crucial, not just for Liverpool in that position because of where we are in terms of injuries, but personally for him, as we've mentioned, and to be so composed and, and assured, uh, I think it was a really it's, nice thing for him. It's mistakes personally. defenders of his age make, though, and that's, that's yeah, what absolutely. I want to say. I, like, I, I've watched a lot of Pavard, who looks like he's signing for Bayern Munich, and he makes very, very similar mistakes to what, um, to what Joe, Joe Gomez makes as well. So... You've it's got really, to remember he is 21 and Mel's absolutely right to point that out, Robert. In defender age, that's like oh, 19 yes. in a forward or, or whatever. Even, even younger, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I remember a young Alan Hansen at 21 making mistakes and being and being forgiven by the older pros and the culture around the club. Um, yeah, he is young. I mean, Liverpool don't decide Jamie Carragher can be trusted at centre-back till he's 24, heading towards 25. So it shows a lot that they, they think he's ready now. And yeah, if we let him grow up in public, he could be a, he could be a, an Anfield centre, you know, Liverpool centre half for a good decade. But I think I think the important thing is that you know he's got the ability. You know, there's, oh, there's yeah. not many people that that I think you know. Years ago, we used to talk about Emery Chan developing on our watch. You know, and I think there was a little bit of can you be bothered with with this? But Joe Gomez, you can absolutely be bothered with because you can see the end game with him that his level could be potentially so high that you're almost going, all right, he's going to make that little mistake there. And it might cost you now and again, and we've seen it cost us in the past a bit when he's fell asleep. But I think where you get to with him is absolutely 
worth that reward, you know. We've seen him play three positions for Liverpool. He's mm. only just 21 and he's not looked out of place in any of the three positions. Well, it's three years ago that we've seen him play at Stoke at left-back, yeah. you know, under Brendan Rodgers. And it, it just shows you how much how how much all the managers that have come through the door since then raised him. Klopp's, Klopp, oh, there's only one hint of a word of caution when he's talked about Joe Gomez. I've picked up in previous interviews and it's about... Does he have the requisite aggression for the role long term? I don't think there's any evidence he does. Certainly for yet. the role next to Van Dyke, because you see the thing about Lovren is he's so from foot. Yeah. And you wonder if that the way Van Dyke wants to play, and Van Dyke will get to play the way Van Dyke wants to play. Yes. So you need to be the one who who contrasts with Van Dyke, not the other way around. He is not going to change for you. You have to change for him. Yeah. You you want to you want to see Gomez develop on Cho and Carragher like attributes, which is to throw your, your body on grenades. You do need a second centre-half to do that. I don't think that's what Van Dyke will be choosing to do. I think he can do. But I don't think he would taking your, your cue there. I don't think that's what he'll choose to do. So Gomez needs to be that centre-half, with, centre-half with reflex, with concentration, but also the aggression to, to you know, to, 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 to have needle in his game. And to see the ball as his. At yeah, all absolutely. Uh, we haven't talked about the main fella. Um, Rob celebrates the goal like it goes absolutely wild. I completely understand that. Not least, and there'll be other reasons why, Rob, but also just simply... He missed a couple of chances and it's just the idea that no, 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 it doesn't matter because like all great forwards, all great strikers, no matter where he starts on the pitch, he waits, he gets the chance that he needs, his movement's terrific, there he is just to turn it in at the back post. Doesn't play brilliantly throughout yesterday's game, it's not like he has a stunning performance, but you are now able to say, and it, it might seem early in the season, but you just struggle to see the goals drying up for him, you just see no reason why he's not going to just keep going pretty close to a goal a game. I don't want to tempt fate on that one. And actually doesn't need to score a goal a game this season. Uh, I think that pressure should be taken off him straight away. I think 20 league goals would be sensational. He doesn't need to do it. You just, no, you just don't but, see him stopping. No, I, I, I mean, he's a, he's a winger who scores on the back post so much that he's now classified as a striker. And he does play centrally. I mean, he, the one position where he, t- he takes the chance, where he takes the, the, the shots in a central position like a proper striker, he misses it. I mean, what a chance that is. But you can see him, but his darting inside, his movement is creating all kinds of space for Trent Alexander-Arnold there. That was the, that was the hidden Mo Salah contribution for me. The shame was Trent was aggressive on his game, but his, uh, Trent's just, uh, what's it, that whipped for his final ball for once wasn't Trent-like. Yeah. Mm. The, first, had the, the first 20 minutes yesterday was awful for Wynn, though. And that was yeah. when his balls were, and I, and I did wonder whether that was affecting his measurement yeah. of his, his waiting. Yeah. yeah, because he has four opportunities where he's got himself into a great position. The whip and the shape on the ball's good. You go, oh, that's just about t- 10 yards too long, Trent, every time. <laughs> but I think he gets that space because of Mo Salah. No, Salah, Salah, though, 29 league goals in 29 games. Mm. It's an absolute joke. <laughs> you know, the, you, you, can't, you can't say enough. Like, I, 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 obviously, doing these shows, you can ask questions on Mo Salah. And the only people say, oh, you're running out of words. Someone, I am running out of words from because... Again, he's what it's a, a six out of ten performance, really, for Mo yesterday. But he still he still manages to, to get the goal, but also the first goal, and that's the hardest goal to get. Yeah. So, you know, I am absolutely running out of words for him, but I'm just loving every minute of him being here. It's the same thing, sort of that you know what we said about uh, Mane earlier, and and Mo is different in that he won't affect the game with he he will never get as many touches maybe as Asadio and be as. Vo- involved in general players as Sadio does but he also doesn't hide and he wants chances and he wants to score and he's convinced he's going to score and I think the last point is the biggest point because it doesn't matter how many he misses he knows he's certain he's absolutely certain and when you speak to him about goal scoring 
And I don't know if you guys have seen all the interviews mm. uh, when there are, you know, can you break this record? And it's like, of course, sure, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. genuinely believes he's going to score. And, you know, I don't think it matters really what number he gets, whether it's 20, 30, 40 again, which obviously is quite difficult because I think around him, Firmino's going to have a phenomenal season. Sadio as well. Nabi, I just, there's so much quality and intention in that Liverpool team that it's it's really exciting. You think we've got a big four back this now, a fab four, but this time with on a defensive base because we've now got a keeper and a, a centre-back. It feels like that with Nabi. Yeah. I should go back to Nabi. It feels like we've got another player who can unlock a game for us. Uh, and we've got Daniel Sturridge coming on 20 seconds doing the arms. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool beat West Ham United by four goals to nil. Quick shout-out for Carl Kopak's second novel, Falling Without Landing, which is out on Kindle today. Uh, Carl contributes to the Anfield Rap and is very much a friend of ours. And it's available for £5. That's Falling Without Landing, Carl's second book. Um, I want to talk about the... Whilst we're in it, I want to use these shows to talk about what other teams are doing, especially Manchester City, uh, through this season. So it may well be that we have to stop doing this come November. Apologies if that happens. Uh, but for the meantime, we'll come on to talk about City in a second. I just want to talk briefly about the Dejan Lovren situation, Mel. Um, it feels now like it's just a little bit of a storm in a teacup, to be quite honest with you, that he's come back. Uh, he's got this injury. Uh, there's a lot of people who are determined to seem quite angry about about the situation uh, earlier this week. The managers quelled all of that yesterday, basically. Yeah, he said in his post-match that Dejan had the problem before he actually went to the World Cup and, and Liverpool had been managing it through the end of last season. Um, and Lovren himself mentioned that the club weren't happy and that's obviously because, you know, with the World Cup you're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time with hardly any uh, recovery. But, you, you know, Klopp, seemed like he knew all about what Dejan was going on about. And I think that was the big issue that was being flagged on social media, whether Liverpool were aware uh, and they seemed to have been aware. So, Do we know yet um, what the prognosis is in terms of how long he's going to be out? Have we heard that? Jürgen said he expects two two weeks or three weeks. I yeah. think he said something like that. Yeah, Klopp gave the impression it's a couple of weeks. But it's, uh, to be honest with you, I suspect you probably now won't see Dejan before the September international break. In that they might just back get him back, Tottenham. get him training, and then get him back for around Tottenham yeah. away. You're not Tottenham away. Uh, I def- <laughs> def- definitely Tottenham away. If Jürgen Klopp's yeah. history is anything to go by, Tottenham Fro- away for yeah. certain. Throw him back in. Yeah, yeah. You go, you go and sort that out, lads. Like yeah. he did with Albi in Seville. He's done, he'll, he'll always do it, Rob. Various consequences. But there's a number of times he's done it and it's worked for him he absolutely loves Thank the redemption you, yeah he loves the redemption yeah. Jurgen Klopp uh, it's only a game of footy um, Manchester City get the result of the weekend do we, do we want to slaughter the ref briefly um, I didn't watch I you have of been it, so. doing nothing but so carry on, the referee, yeah. the, referee the, the fact that the referee the referee's not very, in our game yeah the referee's, oh, sure, yeah. The referee's rubbish Let's be quite clear about this. He's not a very good referee at all. It's scandalous he's given a FIFA badge to put on his arm because he's not a good referee. There's then an issue which is compounded by the fact that he, he, he comes from within shore. And there used to be a rule, I don't know if it's gone, but there used to be a rule to say that if you if you were within a certain parameter, you couldn't referee certain other games for a variety of reasons. And it's ridiculous. And it, this isn't even about any any insinuation. It's more he shouldn't be put in the position. And referee from within shore should not be refereeing Liverpool's football matches. This is really easy for me. It's not like there aren't other refs or knocking around. Or Everton, or yeah. Manchester City, or Manchester yeah. United. He should have been taken out of that particular firing line. But not least, one of the issues is he is absolutely rubbish. He's mm-hmm. a really bad referee. And every single time you get him, you always end up at some point having to talk about him. And, you know, I think the standard of the refereeing in general is dreadful. Um, 
And yeah, um, let's just sort Anthony Taylor out. If anyone's listening to this who can do anything about it uh, in terms of having a word with someone to say, just take him off the firing line. Or, and there is an argument, certainly when you've won 4-0, for the manager in his post-match to say, that fella's a problem. That fella is a problem because if you do it when you win 4 0, it helps if you have to do it. If you, you get don't beat 2 to, 1, you, you don't, don't have to make bitter. that point, do you? Yeah, you don't sound bitter. No, you don't sound bitter at all. He, and he is a, a recurring theme. And I mean, you've spoken about him a lot, Anthony Taylor, but it's almost like he wants to be the star of the show in, in not being the home. The home fan he is favorite. the worst of the baldies, and trust me, that is a low bar. <laughs> he Gagan presses us and wins the ball. Yeah, back yeah, he puts on onto the chin. And then uh, yeah. in the second half, just from uh, we're having a bit of pressure from a set piece, and we kick two of their lads take blows to the bollocks, not head injuries, right? And he stops the game. There's no need to absolutely stop it. Uh, the, the one for me is Trent's booking. Trent's booking's pathetic. Yeah, uh, absolutely unbelievable. And almost like there was a bit where Trent went was ch- was a chasing Masawaku back, and. I thought, oh, he's going to go here because he was going to, the minute he put his hand on him, I knew Taylor wouldn't have, would have loved to have sent him off. Absolutely, with no hesitation. There is, there is, yeah. Uh, let's just, as I say, I think at some point, someone somewhere might have to say something publicly along the lines well, we of, this has got to stop. Refs on here. We, we never slaughtered refs on here and, and Taylor is a problem. As I say, he is the worst of the baldies. All refs can be split into two categories, although there is an upcoming third category, which is suspiciously young. Uh, but all refs. <laughs> Michael Oliver. Oliver's uh, just face. a bad. All of us just about acceptable to be honest with you. I'm talking Pawson. Pawson's appalling. Pawson. So you've got you've got the baldies, the wolves, and the suspiciously young. And I'd say that he is the worst of the baldies, which is the worst the of the three class. I think it's probably Oliver by by extension. So now Miss Clatty, don't we? Ah, uh, what a what a guy. Uh, RF. Give him a squad number. Get him a statue around the ground. <laughs> um, all right, City get the results of the weekend, Rob. And um, we've made our points, but I sort of feel like they've made theirs. They've gone to Arsenal there. They've cruised, they've cruised to a 2 0. Yeah, they were a bit open towards the end of the game. But, you know, they've made their points. I'd even argue Manchester United have made their points in that they were awful. Uh, but they never, you never thought they were going to do anything but win that game. Um, Tottenham win, Chelsea win. It's only Arsenal who drop points. You can say it's just the first game, but if you're going to need to win 90, get, get 90 points, this one's as important as any other. And I think almost everyone's managed to set the stall out in their own way here over the course of the weekend. Yeah, I think if Pep's plotting the season, um, this is any away against the big uh, top six side. You say you're going to you're going to not win some of them. So it's it's but Arsenal are arguably on paper the weakest of the big six sides. But you could also say maybe the start of an era. This is not the time Pep would have liked to have faced them. He'd like to have seen them uh, bedded in, uh, softened up a bit. So it's a great result for them. I don't. They weren't overly convincing City. I don't think whilst. As, as, as underwhelming as you can be without with still putting Arsenal away. In the, in the first part of the second half, there are, there are times where you think Arsenal might have just shown a bit more. I'm actually more interested in in where it puts Arsenal in this because City could have... City could have well, Arsenal go to Chelsea next game. Yeah. it's Just as I was saying earlier about us, I think it's important that we build early momentum, that a team that, believe, that was rightly being believed in it sort of vindicates that belief. Arsenal... Post Wenger, there's always there's always one or two things that were going to happen for for the fans, for the narrative around the club, which was, oh, Wenger was holding them back all this time. Or the other narrative is they were only hanging in there because of Wenger. They're only anywhere near the bloody Champions League because of Wenger, because they're shit. Now, if they have a bad start under this fella and these signings look like Everton signings rather than great new hopes, then I think Arsenal could find themselves in a problematical season. And anyone wants to believe that, found some evidence yesterday. The issue is for Arsenal... 
is that the signings are Everton signings. Everton can afford every single one of them signings. Mm. They, well, I don't think they've broken twenty five million. I think, but they did buy Aubameyang and Mctarian in the in the Christmas window. But they did lose Alexis Sanchez as well. You know, I know they didn't, they didn't get much value. Well, they didn't get any value for that. But Aubameyang does not play for Everton. No, he doesn't. No, no he doesn't. No, and neither Mctarian. But they, they, they did, I, in the summer, I've built Arsenal up in my head. I've, I've seen them sort of try and rectify problem position so I see them signing Socrates and I go oh yeah handy a centre half but, but then yeah, it, I have to look at them players and then compare them to what's ahead of them and that that's the problem so they they sign Socrates and we've got Virgil van Dijk you know John, John Stones is a million times better mm. so is so is Laporte so is company so is Otamendi so th- this is the this is the issue for Arsenal even if you want to look at Chelsea or Tottenham all their centre-halves are better so the whole midfielders again you do the same oh Terrell, I liked what I've seen of him in the World Cup is he is he as good as Naby Keita is he as good as N'Golo Kante is he as good as Fernandino Gundogan no is the answer so mm. Arsenal can't cure this problem through just trying to cheat I don't think I think yeah. Liverpool have shown this that you can't cheat in this league anymore you've got to have the best of the best and you don't have, you do not take anything less than that Apart from Andy I think I think Gunner blog um, summed it up quite nicely he said Arsenal are signing Europa League players on a Europa League budget and trying to be a Champions League team that's the way he he put it and you know when you look at, at what they brought in and you know even going to back to Boumeyang and Mkhitaryan I said at the time that was not their plan that wasn't a design that they had a long time in the making thinking those are the players we absolutely want yeah. those are the ones we have to get they're who we're going to build around Boumeyang two three seasons ago if Arsenal brought him in you'd be sitting there thinking goodness gracious how, why this is going to be bad for the league. Great news for Arsenal. They sign him when no one else is taking that punt on him. No one. Got mm. suspended right. from Dortmund months before, you know? Yeah. Uh, Mkhitaryan, United don't want him. No one else is, is having a bite and they think, okay, we can get him. Not we have this brilliant idea that... <clears throat> okay, and then there was the fact that uh, Mkhitaryan and... and Aubameyang linked up at, at Dortmund, but how much, you spent all that money, how much are you hinging this plan that you never actually had that you're now going to pay all that money for on, on that connection? Uh, and then what they've done since has been, meh, that's literally what it's been. Nothing more, nothing less. I think what was interesting about yesterday is Emery wants them to build from the back. That's going to be a fundamental Czech is not that goalkeeper as a starting point. Mm. Uh, they had no midfield showing. If you're going to ball from the back, you're going to have to have your midfielders coming to, to get the ball off the defenders. They weren't doing that at all. Uh, they were just nowhere. At the worst team you can be nowhere against in this league is City and then Liverpool, of course. But City were just enjoying so much putting pressure on on Arsenal's rear guard. And Arsenal never deviated from from what they wanted to do. Now, that is a great thing if you have this very clear philosophy that you've had, you've worked on for months. Jürgen Klopp's first few months in the Liverpool job weren't perfect because we had to chop and check because he never had the preseason. He never had his full preseason to, preseason to implement everything. 
Emery's had the full preseason, but it's in a World Cup year, so all these players have not been there and, and all those kind of things. And I just thought yesterday where they should have thought, okay, you know, it's great. We, we want to become this team that, that can ball from the back and look very confident doing it. But we're killing ourselves here by doing it now against this Man City team that's really enjoying the fact that we can't actually do it right now. Uh, and I think there was a period where, where Czech actually did kick long and, and the entire crowd cheered because they wanted to see more more of that because they were under so much pressure. I thought, it, um, just digressing back to City, I thought it was interesting Raheem Sterling's well, early contribution and reaction. He, you know, what he does for that opening goal was at a level he wasn't finding in the summer for England. However, much unfairly maligned he might have been for England, he wasn't quite at that level. But you could see there was a defiance in his celebration, wasn't there? That he was that he was back and he was more naturally at home. It's huge, I think, Rob, that he's genuinely that he's, he's picked Sterling ahead of Sane there. Yeah, like mm. like as Sane's looks like a full really, summer and as well. Looks like he had a good summer, yeah. and mm. yet he goes Sterling that that first game. That's back. interesting. Yeah. That I couldn't, I can't, I'm not sure what the thinking was, other than to to prove. Some sort of a point. Well, they might, he, he might look sterling in the eye. He might look sterling in the eyes, and sterling said, "This is this this is me this season, Gaffer." And I, you know, I think that I think that you're looking at that, and you wonder because we've talked a lot about City. Can they retain their level? There is there is a universe where they get better. Yeah, there is. It's going to be hard. They could be better and not get as many points, though. Uh, I've, I've seen that happen in football. Uh, so, so we'll see. Look. Hunting down City is, is going to be, talking about hunting down City is going to be a bit of a fruitless chat. That's just what worried about us getting the requisite points. Let's worry about us getting the requisite points. Liverpool start the season 4 0 against West Ham United. Fours are rare in football just because Liverpool are scoring a lot of them at the minute. You can go a whole season and not see one. Imagine supporting one of those teams. Thank you very much to Rob Gutman, to Paul Senior, and to Melissa Reddy. In association with Reds Bet, this has been the Anfield Wrap. Sports Social Podcast Network.